You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and this episode is hosted by Ryan. Just in time for Hispanic Heritage Month, we are pleased to present this guest to you, Aida Rodriguez. Aida is a favorite of critics and fans alike. Esquire magazine declared of her, this is Rodriguez's genius, using comedy to turn pain into progress, to give her voice to the voiceless and to laugh instead of cry. Aida's comedy special, Fighting Words, is currently streaming on Max, and the special concludes with a travel documentary of Aida's trips to Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, celebrating her vibrant heritage and reuniting with her strange father. The doc was directed by award-winning Puerto Rican documentary Nadia Halgren, and she is the key collaborator on the platform's Entre Nos franchise, which features the brightest and upcoming Latinx comedy talent. Aida was not only a breakout star of the series early in her career, she also recently stepped behind the camera to direct its current batch of specials. Aida's previous half-hour special premiered on Netflix's hit comedy series, They Ready, executive produced by Tiffany Haddish and Wanda Sykes. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring comedian Aida Rodriguez. Welcome to the Black Gunners Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I'm sitting here with the very talented, resilient. You guys, I cannot wait to dive into her story to talk about her book. Hopefully you've seen her comedy special, Fighting Words, on Max, you know, aka HBO Max. <laughs> um, but, you know, before I introduce her, we got comedy, uh, comedian, actor, writer, Ida Rodriguez. But before I introduce her, I want to talk about a quote I found from Esquire Magazine that talks about her. First of all, they call her genius, which I agree with. And they say, using comedy to turn pain into progress, to give voice to the voiceless, and to laugh instead of cry. And I thought that was so powerful, you know, as a comedian, as an author now, to be able to put that out in the universe is just amazing. How you doing, Ida? I'm doing good. Thank you for that. I appreciate that introduction. Let me, yeah, let me just start with saying this quickly, because yeah. it's not, it, it is never... Uh, lost on me how much support I get from a black from black American women in these spaces. I would not be anywhere in my career had Tiffany Haddish, Wanda Sykes, Tamara Goins, and the Monica Boyd. The list goes on and on. Black women show up for me so much. Black American women, because you know I claim my blackness, and I just want to say I appreciate it because. The truth of the matter is, is that it's important to say it, you know, it's important to say it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we appreciate you. And I'm gonna tell you guys why. If you guys have not heard about or get ready, do your pre-sales and you can do a pre-sale pre-order for it right now. A legitimate kid. But we're going to get into it in a little bit because I'll kind of break it down just a little bit. We're going to give you some teasers. We're going to give you everything because once you go out and buy this book and support and read it, um, you know, from beginning to end. But I want to talk about your special fighting words, which I was like just so touched by. I was just like, oh, my God, I didn't know. Like I wanted to go for like another hour. So I was like, she ain't got that kind of time, but I could have <laughs> kept it going, you know, on the special. But I wanted to ask you, I think what is so moving about it is you find out more about if you didn't know about Hispanic culture, uh, Latin culture, Latinx, like you said in the special, you got to make sure you cover everybody so nobody feels left out. <laughs> But um, <laughs> how did you feel like, what did you feel was missing that people didn't understand, you know, when you were kind of, you know, putting this special together, mapping everything out, writing everything out? The erasure of Blackness. Um, so when you see that I go to Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, you see Black people. And, you know, I'm the mother of two Black people. That are that are descendants of slavery on both sides, Caribbean, the Caribbean slave trade and chattel slavery. And there is a very big erasure of blackness when you watch television, because it is still ran by white supremacy. When you see Latinos, Latinx, Latin A people, they all look a certain way. And that's not the world that I grew up in. And I wanted people to see the beautiful black people of Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic because those are the people that I come from. And I feel like it's my job and my responsibility to use my light skin privilege to shine a light on them because if I don't, then who's gonna do it? Yeah, absolutely. And I wanna mention too, speaking of exactly what you're saying right now, I wanna mention, you said um, it's in my genetic code to fight for myself. And I That's thought that was so powerful. Yes, it is. I thank you for listening. It's absolutely, you know, whether we are fair, dark, in between, whatever they want to categorize us as, you know, these right. food flavors, you know, butter, mm -hmm. whatever it is, I, you, we are, we are the realization of our ancestors' wildest dream, you know, and I don't take that for granted. My grandmother couldn't read. Um, my grandmother was a Black Puerto Rican woman who couldn't read and her grandmother was a slave. So when you think about the reality of what we are and how we show up in this world, we are the expression of someone's imagination, hopes and dreams. And that means something to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. I just, I love that because I feel like a lot of specials don't always take you back, right? They just like, okay, here's your special. We line it up for you. You know, they're yeah. not really taking you through the process, you know, of how they got there and how much, you know, you're carrying on your shoulders. Because some people, you know, if you think about it, a lot of comedians are unfairly judged because, you know, they are going to say what's on their mind. They're going to say it a certain type of way because they have something to get across. So it was mm -hmm. interesting how you kind of broke it down. Like, look, I'm going to say this. But I'm also giving you this background of like, look, this is where I'm coming from. Like, you need to understand all the messages. Don't just take one thing and be like, OK, and cancel. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the funny thing is that cancellation has been used as a tool to further oppress us because some of these white men who do and say whatever they want to say who have been canceled have gone on to still make millions of dollars and go out and have fruitful careers because they are supported by people who share the same ideologies and beliefs that they do. But then, you know, people are, that belong to our groups that are educated and informed come back to the hood to oppress auntie and them 
who don't even know how to read or, or, you know, don't have the education and the wealth of privilege that they have. And I think it's, it's a double-edged sword. Yes, we should be held accountable for our words, but be careful who you use that sword against, because sometimes you're beheading people who didn't have a fighting chance to begin with. Right. Yeah. Everybody, it'd be easier, right? If everybody in the world just kind of took their time to hear both sides of stories, but yeah. we know like with technology, it take a little bit. You like, I got to keep fighting back until somebody hears exactly my side of the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for like, okay, let's talk about the book, Legitimate Kid. First of all, talk about the title. Cause I feel like the title alone is going to have people trying to pre-order this book. Well, you know that that's where it, it came from. I wanted, I wanted everybody who read that book to felt, I want them to know that I declare you legitimate, forget mm. the state, forget American government, politics, them saying we illegitimate because we don't have our daddy's last name, them saying we illegitimate because we didn't go to uh, an Ivy League school, them saying, you know, everybody who feels illegitimate, I declared my legitimacy for myself because I realized that legitimacy is something that is fully ingrained in patriarchy and in white supremacy. And it is another tool that's used against us to make us feel less than. And I wasn't going for that. I was like, so that's where the title for, title came right. from. I was like, you know what? I'm a Disney. I'm going to say I'm a legitimate kid. And damn these people who say I'm not. And I have to say, I thought it was hilarious. If you guys, first of all, funny, uh, follow funny um, Ida on Instagram, because I know everybody's on social now. You got to be posting it live and all that kind of stuff now. Um, but I thought it was so funny. You posted a little video of all these kids just going in, like just truly expressing who they were. And you were like, yes. listen, get ready for this pre-order. But it's it's so, it, pick, it fits the book perfectly. Because I didn't think you were going to go back to, you know, when you were smaller and work your way up. Most people are like, okay, let me just go from this point in my life and keep going. Yeah. No, people are afraid to delve into the past. The The beautiful thing is that I am not ashamed of where I come from. Mm, yeah. And like I'm not, I come from people who didn't know how to read, people who didn't graduate from high school. I come from people who work regular, regular jobs that became right. essential during the pandemic. And I'm not ashamed of one thing about it. So I wanted people to know who my heroes are because my heroes were not on television. They were right around me. They were doing everything that they could so that I could eat and survive. And I respect them and I honor them. And that that's very important to me. That means the world to me. Yeah, it's just it's it's so difficult to kind of think about, you know, having that mindset, you know, as a kid where you don't get to see, you know, like maybe, you know, what's the little stuff, you know, the auntie and stuff might have to protect her from if they do get a hold of the book, you know, some of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just having that, you know, maybe just having those discussions, hopefully it will open up a discussion just at least where, you know, if you are a single mom, you know, maybe if you did have two parent household, you still got questions about, you know, maybe your past or things like that. And just the way it's just slowly unraveled. And I love the title of each section um, that I won't spoil for everybody so they can go and dive in and, and get a little bit of that. Um, but I kind of want to back up for a second because for your forward, um, Ariana DeBose, actress Ariana DeBose was um, you know, kind enough to give you a, like the, the what she said was just remarkable, how it yeah. touched her as well. And I wanted to know like, what was your thoughts on that? Your feelings? Did she, kinda, did she reach out to you? Were you reaching out to her? She's the only person that I reached out to do my forward. I wanted her to do it. Um, she and I have this very interesting relationship. We see each other. I knew that when um, her situation with West Side Story came along, she was going to face some anti-Blackness from my community. And I wanted her to know that I saw her. 
And she had already been supporting me since Day Ready when I did Day Ready with Tiffany Haddish. And I was like, I want I want her to do my forward. I, I only asked her. She said yes immediately. And then when she sent those words back, I'm, I mean, I, I cried. I was like, man, just to be seen in this way. Um, you know, I don't put up airs. I don't put up pretenses. I really am who I say I am. And sometimes I feel like that's not enough because I don't know how to play the Hollywood game when people say you got to fake it till you make it. Like, right. See, I don't do my hair every day. Sometimes I just, I just show up as me. And sometimes that in this town, it makes me feel like I'm not enough because everybody is so polished and stuff. But to be seen by somebody who I respect like that and say, you, you find just the way you are and I appreciate you showing up. It means, it really means a lot. Yeah, sometimes you always have hair and makeup ready. You know, people got to take a yeah. little bit easy there. You know, you always have it on the ready. That costs money. And I don't Seriously pretend though, to have yeah. what I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't pretend to have what I don't have. And so it's it's very important to to just feel like you are enough just the way you are because young people, younger people are watching and they're altering themselves and do, going through great lengths, even risking their lives to, to look a certain way. And None of it is real. What what matters right. really, no matter how much you hear it and cliche it sounds, you that beauty works from the inside out. And until you you resolve what's on the inside, the outside doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Mm, facts. I hope y'all writing this stuff down. I'm just saying you gotta you gotta jot it down. <laughs> um. So I want to kind of ask you a little bit. Um. Because not only is it about the beauty standards, it's about race. You also have misogyny on top of that which you always address, you know, you, you're a comedian. So you're going to give us an, an, into a way that is digestible. It's very digestible the way you break it down, but mm -hmm. you talk about like the first chapter you talked about, which you just mentioned, you know, not having your father in your life in the beginning, you know, and having to deal with that. Cause kids can be real cool when you in school and there's something they don't understand. And they just start throwing the blows, throwing the punches and it's something they don't get. So how can you kind of tell, talk a little bit about, and I know they'll get like the full breakdown too, once they get the book, but a little bit about how you navigated the misogyny and, you know, just kind of dealing with, cause you know, a lot of it was your mom was, you know, she's a single mom. She's trying to guide you the best way she can. You know, she's trying to give you, you know, what, you know, a lot of the stuff that she kind of mending from her life, you know, that she didn't know. So how yeah. did you kind of navigate that? You know, the, the great thing for me is that, um, uh, I always used to think I would, I used to say I'm Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz and my uncles were the Scarecrow, the Tin Man and the Lion all together. <laughs> and they were there to counterbalance, you know, like a lot of that stuff, because my uncles used to tell me you can do whatever you want to do. They also taught me how to fight. They were like, you're going to learn how to fight. You're going to learn how to defend yourself. It was never like. That, sure, they would show up and defend me because I was their niece, but it wasn't like, oh, she's a girl. She's not going to. They were like, you're going to show up for the fight just like everybody else and you're going to survive and you're going to learn to protect yourself. Uh, I think they were just they 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 poured so much into me at a very young age that I was able to go out into the world fighting and saying, I'm going to figure this out. Um, it's exhausting for women. Mm -hmm. particularly women of color, black women, it's exhausting to be out in the world, always solving the problems, never getting the credit, always figuring it out, always rescuing people, always taking care of people. It's exhausting. Right. You know what I mean? And so uh, for me, it was just like, I had to make a decision about my survival. And I was like, my grandmother didn't come here 
can't read, went through all of the stuff that she went through for me to give up. And so navigating misogyny, I, I really started to understand that the most, the most harmful and toxic men are the most insecure ones. And all of their, all they're doing is projecting their pain and their inat the feeling of inadequacies that they have to bat battle. So I just started saying, all right, I gotta go, I gotta go around this, gotta get away from this, I gotta move away from this, because they just feel small. Yeah. Yeah. And I was gonna say to the point on, you know, with Esquire magazine saying genius, what I what I consider talking about in this book, what feels genius, is to hear you talk about your mother, to hear you talk about your grandma. And you're explaining why they make the decisions they make instead of it just being like, okay, back in the day, you know, women didn't have a lot of say with their relationships and, you know, they were financially dependent on these men. And, but you're explaining how it's ingrained and how it's a cycle that you kind of have to break. Like as the generations go, you still have to explain, you know, be independent, have your own, you know, but there is room for love. Like you're learning. It's, it's interesting to kind of watch you talk through and navigate that space instead of just saying oh okay well they're not gonna, it's it's the old school generation they're, gonna, they're not gonna figure it out they don't understand you know what was going on we got to give them credit and grace you know and i know some people want to just set them on fire you know and say i saw this girl on tiktok going in on her parents and she was like damn them they they could have it all you hear is anger and pain right but you know i i think about my mom whose first child she had when she was 14 years old that's a child you know, yeah. that is 11 years from, according to science, her cerebral cortex being fully developed. Mm. And by that time, she already had a bunch, you know, she had all, uh, almost all of her kids. I, um, I just sit there and I think about these women that came before us. And as much as we want to point fingers in their faces, we really have to understand that, you know, slavery didn't end that that long ago, as much as we like to say it was, you know, they like to remind us it's over. It is still in the DNA. It's in the water, baby. And so we are right. still navigating all of that toxicity and, and still we got to give each other props and say, we're still here because they tried to get rid of our people and our, dis our ancestors as much as they could. And look, we are still full expressions of their dreams and whatever. So when it comes to my mom, that was one thing I didn't want us to demonize her because my mom was a child, a victim of sexual abuse. And she, my father was way older than my mother and she was being groomed. And that's what they call it now. But back then it was Saturday. And so mm -hmm. I'll be, you know, I'll be damned if I sit here in judgment of my mother. Uh, I think that it was an opportunity for me to learn and grow and be a better version of that. But I'm not throwing my mother in the fire. My mother, my mother is, I'm everything I am because she loved me and she loved me the best way that she could. Yeah. And you think about too, just like everybody, you know, if you think about just moms in general, grandmas that have seen the matriarch, they have to fight a lot. They're trying, you know, to protect their kids. They're trying to navigate what they can. And, you know, you're trying to make the best out of that situation that you maybe think at the time is right. You know, whatever you're confronting in your family, whatever you got to do to survive, you like, Okay, because, you know, the government world most of the time is stacked against you. So these powerful women are trying to push forward. They're like, well, let me figure out how I can navigate within this, protect my children, you know, try to make a difference in that way. They were surviving. And, yeah. you know, they had to and now they got to deal with the toxicity of the men in their lives who are also victims of everything that happened. Right. 
the system that is continuously oppressing them and then each other because they socialize women to hate each other and to compete with one another. It, it's, it's so much work, so much emotional labor, it's physical labor, it's mental labor. So, you know, some people do deserve grace, whether you like, you want to believe that or not. I just, you know, I, I'm not going to hold my mother to the same standards that I'm going to hold these white men who have been oppressing us because then it be it defeats the purpose. You know, it's yeah. not the grace is not just for me and saying, hey, I, I am a, a, a survivor of this. It's for her as well. Yeah. And it's all about like you just got to share sometimes because you're like somebody else is going through this. And if we don't say something, it just keeps going. And yes. nobody understands, like you said, having, um, you talked about somebody going on social media, just ranting. It's like, if people don't understand, it just keeps going. Like nobody understands exactly, you know, where it needs to stop. You know, there's nobody to blame. Everybody just feels like they up against the wall. So let's figure it out. So I love how this book kind of opens up. Like I said, if people are going to be at the water cooler, this going to have some conversations going because mm -hmm. it's stuff that people don't say all the time. Like, you know, I know. For black culture, it's like, well, don't don't put our family, keep that in the house. Don't say that. Don't don't put that out there. Yeah, that was a that was one of the things. That's one of the biggest comments that I've received. Um, someone was like, "Well, how, you know, you're not supposed to air out the dirty laundry." You know, when does it stop being my business too? And right. it's not just their business, but those things that happen to me, they happen to me, and I have a right to give a voice to them. Um, me keeping other people's secrets for the sake of you know, their shame and guilt or whatever is forsaking me. And I have to honor myself in this moment of healing. And I don't do it to be salacious. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not here trying to set to throw people under the fire, uh, into the fire. I'm really trying to heal. And I want to take some people with me because a lot of people have been in those situations. And instead of you know, making it a hit piece, I wanted it to be a heel piece. And so that that's been my objective the whole yeah. time. Yeah, because I was going to ask you how therapeutic was it for you to kind of get this out? Because it almost feels like, you're, I remember we talked before we started recording, you said you wrote it all yourself. It feels like your diary. It feels like you're yeah. having them where you're like, okay, look, I'm at a point right now. We can kind of chill for a little bit. Let's write this out. Let's talk about this. That's what it feels like. Well, you know, it's funny is because I've been reading some of these other books where people, you know, talk about their parents. They sound yeah. really angry you know, a lot of things happen to certain people and I respect everybody's journey. But for me, it was like, how do my mom is going to read this book? She hasn't read it yet, but my mom is going to read it. I want her to walk away with it at feeling a certain level of peace. And I want her to heal. I want her to see an expression of herself that's e evolved at that's taken it a step further. And for me, it, it's really about healing. It's, it's like when other people have read it that I've spoken with, we're like, they were like, thank you for saying this. Thank you for writing this. I saw myself here. That means that, that, you know, that's how we do it. Each one teach one. This is, this is really about, you know, some community healing. Cause I've been reading so much about people who just put their parents on blast. And I'm like, man, like, that doesn't help me in any way. Right. Yeah. My own personal, you know, like I don't want to walk around being bitter and angry and unforgiving. And this is not about me preaching. It's just for my personal preference, for me to to heal my my physical presence and illness. I was like, I'm not walking around here being mad at my mom. My mom was a child when she had a child. Sure, she made some mistakes. I had a lot of pain as a result of that. She had a lot of pain as a result of what the mistakes my grandmother made. Well, you go a couple of generations back, there was no 
there was no agency. There were a bunch of women that were there for the purpose of breeding and taking care of other people's children. And that stuff is real and it's not that far away from us. So what we do is hope that we can be better so that we can keep moving forward and taking our people to the best place we can take them. All right. Absolutely. And also too, when you, I just find too, when you get older, your relationship changes with your parents. So you mm. could either be mad about it or, you know, like you said, carry that burden around. And you're like, look, let's have a conversation. Let me get this out of the way. I know how that's productive, you know, where we can kind of talk about this, you know, so you don't keep like you said, like you, we're continuing to say on this. So you don't keep repeating it. Like somebody has to start talking about it. So it's not continuing to go. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking of talking the language, I love hearing you talk about how devoted you became reading, reading and just picking up different languages and how that was kind of your way of, you know, escaping away or you kind of started looking at your culture differently through that way. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how did that start? I know you show a little bit in the special where you were kind of picking up books and stuff just to kind of get a better idea. Yeah, you know, reading, one of my teachers told me that uh, an extensive vocabulary is the way to get out because you do well on standardized tests and then that'll help you go the way to school or whatever. But, you know, I started doing a lot of reading because I really was curious about people. And I've always been that way. I wanted to know about people outside of my my own habitat, like because we have so many ideas about, you know, this is how white people act. This is how these people act. This is how. And I was like, you know, they're claiming monolith for any group is not healthy for us because then it steals us of good experiences that we can have with somebody, but because we have these generalizations in our minds. And so I I was just like, I, I want to learn about as much as I can. And and so that that's the, my love for books. I just started picking up books and learning different language and learning dialects and understanding that, you know, like having respect for Black American people who created their own language out of slavery and saying yeah. this that's dope man like <laughs> the, the stuff they used to shame us for like I remember people used to say to me you sound black and I'm like all right I don't know what that means but okay or you know like uh you trying to sound white and I'm like so okay so proper English belongs to white people and urban colloquialisms belong to us. And we're supposed to feel bad about that. Okay. Got it. It just became so dumb to me that I was like, let me explore this. There ain't nothing better than to be in the presence of the people that I grew up around where we have our own language that we talk and people around us, the outsiders don't know what we saying because they don't understand it. And that's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, that is. That's a good way to put it. It's definitely beautiful because you can shoot that look and you can say something. They have no idea. Like, it's just like, whoop, right over the top. They have no idea what's going on. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's definitely, it's definitely a cool step. Um, Okay. So I'm gonna let you do all the plugs for the book to make sure I don't miss anything. Legitimate kid. Okay, I had to take it away. Let us know where they can find it, pre-order, all that kind of stuff. You can go to my website, funnyaida.com and it has all the links for the books. What I will ask, please pre-order it. It's so important for the list for our books because we don't have the opportunities and privileges that a lot of white men do have. And if somebody's upset by that, it's just truth. But I will say, go a step further, find a local independent bookstore that's owned by black and brown people and buy the books from them. You can buy from the Lit Bar in the Bronx. Um, I, I would encourage you to do that because I want to support, you know, the 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 small guy because, you know, the big machine already has all the support that they can get. Right. Also at funnyida.com, you will find out about my tour dates. And what I have been doing is I had to slow down because a lot of people did buy the books, but 
The first 10 people who show me receipts at my shows before the 17th of October get a free t-shirt. And hey. my, my shirts are really nice. Um, so yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me. That's cool. Look at y'all get a free t-shirt giveaway. I better show up at the shows, download the book, buy the book. Um, yes. yeah, it's very important to support like local uh, black and brown um, lobby, uh, libraries, bookstores, all that. Show some support because, yeah, we definitely don't get a lot of play out there as far as the authors and everything like that. OK, before we leave, we got to talk about how you moved to L.A. with your beautiful children, got into being a comedian, which is not easy. Like being a female comedian, you know, that ain't that ain't no breeze. Like people think it's just because, you know, you guys are out here, you know you know, looking cute, doing your thing on stand up. It's not easy though. Can you no. tell us like for people that are listening? Cause I hope they were already taking notes, but can you tell us a little bit of like tips or what you kind of, what kind of advice would you give for people that want to get into that in that field? I will always say go as you, because you are going to eventually show up anyway. So don't do your impression of what you think a comedian is. Be yourself. You, you are enough. And I wish somebody would have told me that from the very beginning. A lot of people are always being told, watch Kevin Hart, do what he does. No, be be the unique footprint that you are on this planet and in the art. And I guarantee you, it will it will show up for you tenfold. Just be your the best expression of yourself and do the work. Even if you have opportunities, don't ever stop doing the work because the people who give you the opportunities can take them away. So as long as you have the fundamentals and you have the skills and the work, they can never take that away from you. Right. Yeah. All I got to say is preach and y'all got the best advice. Be yourself because people yep. do not say that enough. Be yourself. You don't have to change and do all this other kind of stuff because I feel like most of the people I talk to that I'm fans of because they were themselves. There was something they put into their show that was different than everybody else because it was different. So I, yeah. I appreciate you. I hope people go out and support you. Download Jillian Kid. Go to your shows. You guys figure out where her show. I need to catch a show live because I was moved by you want to come. Let me know when you want to come. Yeah, to you don't got to tell me twice because I'm excited. Like I got to find some time off of work to come check this out. But you guys go get the book, download it, check out the tour dates. And Ida, thank you again. I appreciate it. Always. Thank you for supporting me. Always. I appreciate you. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.